0: Yeah, Father, just thank you, God, that we can be together this morning, Lord, and um, hear your word, Father, and I, I thank you, God, that you have sent us a gift this morning, and that gift is coming through Clarence, Father, and I pray, Father, that we would receive the gift of God, the message from you, Lord, that you have deposited in Clarence, Lord, and I pray that you would give him the words, Father, and uh, the power of your spirit to minister, Lord, in a way that you have um, prepared for us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.: Well, good morning. Thanks for having me here. It's just uh, I think how God has worked out for me to be here today, that you're looking for a jungle gym. I think I can help you guys halfway. Just yesterday, my wife said our back out it looks like a jungle. You can fetch it. you can come and fetch it anytime you want to, and you can just add a gym to it. <laughs> and uh, consider that my contribution to your jungle gym. Yeah, um, it's really a privilege to be here. Um, This is what myself and Azalea does every Sunday. We go to different Josh Jen congregations, and I get to preach all around the different congregations. So although I'm from Worcester, I'm never in Worcester. Uh, I'm there like once in five weeks or so, and then people welcome me. Uh, Some of the new people welcome me when I get there. Um, I must say I'm also very happy that you guys prayed for Ruan. He's going to need it out there in Worcester. Uh, but it, it's just such a pity. I, you know, I was looking forward to meeting him, and then I hear yeah, he's in Worcester when I'm here. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure that we will have a good time, and he will have a good time. Um, the reason why I asked us to, to change things around is I really believe that God wants to shake us up a bit. So if you want to be shaken up, shaken, not stirred, uh, then uh, you've come to the right place on the right day. Um, I believe that God is starting to move in a mighty way in our congregations in terms of just the flow of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there's much more to experience, but somehow there's a blockage, and we're not getting into the full potential of what God has for us. So the, the heading of our message is, you could be postponing Revival. That's the reality of it. That we might not be experiencing revival the way we should because of something in my life or something in your life. So we're going to go to the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. towards the end of the Old Testament. Um, the book of Jonah, chapter 1. So... I can't help it. Uh, it's just the way I'm put together. If I had to preach this message in the community where I grew up, and just in case you didn't notice, I'm colored by the way. Um, we, I would have, my, my, my heading would have been the problem is in Mainani, the problem is Jonah. Because the problem seems to be Jonah in this case. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm just going to read a couple of verses at a time because it's going to just take up too much time. But the aim of this is that we identify one of two things. Either you have a Jonah in your circle on your boat. could be a family member could be a husband, a wife, a child, somewhere in a relationship, either you have to deal with Jonah or you might be Jonah. And we need to deal with you. But that's the one, of, one of two things that we need to deal with today, and that's the blockage. If we deal with that, I pray that as we're going to worship after this, there will be an openness and that the cloud will fill the temple. And we will experience God like never before. So this is not just a message to keep you happy and to tick the box. I'm preaching this message this morning because God laid in my heart so that we can experience something of the flow of the Holy Spirit of God. So let's let's look at Jonah when I read this. This, this chapter, in preparation, I, I thought of the hymn now, I'm giving my age away, Showers of Blessings. The one line says, Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. So I feel we're at that stage in, in our lives where, where we're experiencing mercy drops, we're experiencing little drops of, of what God wants to do. But our heart's desire should be showers of blessings. That he will pour out his Holy Spirit, and we will experience showers of blessings. So let's look at verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go. Go to Nineveh, the the great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa and found a ship. Going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish. So if you haven't noticed, he's going to Tarshish. This has been said a few times here. Away from the presence of the Lord. So in that first few verses, we have the actions of Jonah. Number one, he gets commissioned by God. What a privilege. He gets commissioned, he gets called to do something for God. And then he chooses not to do it. That's a blockage. You see, you might have been saved for 10, 15 years. Question is, are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you living in what God has commissioned you to do? He was called to preach against the sin of Nineveh. And he refused to. And I just have a sense that that some of us might be sitting here and we have been called, but for some other reason, we believe that we have the luxury of not doing what God has called us to do and instead do what we want to do. Now, the first thing you need to know is from from where Jonah was to Nineveh, you couldn't take a boat. You had to walk through the desert. So I don't know what he's doing near the sea, near the harbor. Because from where he was, it was 500 miles north, northeast. So if you uh, want, I think he was the author of the song, I Will Walk 500 Miles and (laughs) I Will Walk 500 More. But, But he had to walk 500 miles north and he's going west with a boat. So I need to ask you, are you heading where God has called you to? Are you heading north, through north, or are you heading west? And that's a blockage. God can't move the way He wants to move. Revival can't happen if He's called you to Nineveh and you going to Tarshish. And we want revival. We want God to move, but we don't want to head where He called us to. The other thing that, that stands out for me is that he decided that he would rather leave the presence of God instead of following God. Once again, God has commissioned you, has called you. And I need to ask you, consider what do you, uh, what do you feel is more important, the presence of God or what you are doing currently? Maybe maybe it's cycling. <laughs> I've got nothing against cycling. I like to recycle myself. I mean it's like we I do that every day. Maybe maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your family. But but something has taken your attention. Something to you is more important than the presence of God. And that will stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. We can't experience revival if the presence of God is not the first and foremost thing in our lives. So can I ask you, whatever the Holy Spirit is identifying in your life now, that has taken precedence over the presence of God, will you deal with that? Will you come before God and repent of that? And make that secondary and let the presence of God and God Himself Be who He is supposed to be in our lives. The thing is, in that first portion of Scripture, where is it up there somewhere? Is it still up there or not? There we go. Um, It says this, who went, first of all, when he decided to leave the presence of God, he went down to Joppa. Then he goes down into the ship. I promise you, the moment you leave the presence of God, your downward spiral starts. You start to go down. Down, it's a deadly spiral. And in the beginning, you think you can control it. In the, in the beginning, you think you find you can handle it. But the moment you walk away from the presence of God, a downward spiral, spiral starts that goes out of control at some stage in your life. When you decide to leave the presence of God, be it by boat, by ship, by motorbike, by car, whatever you want to use to leave the presence of God, you will find what you're looking for. He needed a ship to take him away from the presence of God. He went down to Joppa, and the Bible says he found a ship. The devil will make sure that you find the transport that you need to get away from the presence of God. And some people say, this must be God, because He the a ship. God provided a ship. You see, not every door that's open is God. Often we want to do stuff and get involved in things, and just because the door is open, we think it's God. Not every door that is open has been opened by God. So the moment we walk through the door that God has not provided our downward spiral starts. How do you know it's the wrong door? How do you know it's the wrong boat? How do you know it's the wrong vehicle that you're getting in? Because it says there, he paid the price. He paid the price and he got on board. When we walk away from the presence of God, there's a price to pay. Could be our families. You might lose your husband. You might lose your wife. You might lose your business. You might lose something, because when we walk away in disobedience, we pay the price. You see, God didn't tell Jonah how he was going to get to Nineveh, but I'm pretty sure if it we went God's way, there wouldn't have been, a ne- in a negative sense, a price to pay. Yes, when we, when we serve God, there is a price to pay, but we don't pay in that negative sense. It's a pleasure sacrificing to serve God. But when you walk away from the presence of God, there's a price that you have to pay. So now he's on the boat. They're cruising along to Tarshish. They're going west. And God starts acting. So I'm going to read the actions of God to you from verse 4. Now just picture this. You've, uh, um, maybe you said something to your wife or to your husband that made them a bit upset. And they maybe had something in their hand. What? A bottle of milk or a cool drink bottle, and they gently toss it aside. Is that how you do it when you get upset? You just gently, like you're playing netball with it, um, or do you do you hurl it, or throw it against something? Imagine it's a bathroom door. As you walk through it, your your wife or your husband says something, and you gently close the door. And say, I'm done with this moment. No, no, you 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 hurl it. Picture that in verse four. But the Lord hurled. A great wind upon the sea. You know what? There was nothing was calm, and God goes, Why? Because He wants to get Jonah's attention. I want you to know from the start that God didn't hurl a wind on the sea to punish Jonah. God so much wants us to succeed in what He has called us to that He will do anything to get our attention to get us back to following Him. That was not a punishment. God just wants us so much to live in everything we are called to that He will stop try, do anything to stop us from going away from His presence. So the Lord hurled a wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatened to break up, and the mariners were afraid, and each of them cried to his own God. The thing is, when God hurls the wind, When God shakes the business, when God shakes whatever you're involved in, instead of asking, where is God in all of this? Maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe you're going through a crisis right now, and your words are, where is God in that? I suggest you seek God because He's there. Often we don't find God in our circumstances because we have excluded Him from our circumstances. And then we want to question, where is God in this? God was there even in the wind. So when, when tough times come, it's not God punishing us. He's shaking up us. He's actually shaking up our crews so that He can get us back on track, serving Him. He disrupts the crews. God, the wind that He sends on, this, on the sea is so intense that he scares the living daylight out of the unsaved, but Jonah is asleep. Isn't it ironic? That, that the unsaved responds, but Jonah is asleep. And here's a line that I, I wish I could erase it out of, of our, the stuff that we say. I've sat, with, sat down with many people and God will tell me, I want to buy myself a new car, man. Um, I saw this car, I've got peace with it. Oh, you'll always have peace with a nice car. I, I promise you. If it's something you want, you will have peace with it. What we need to find is God's peace in the moment. You see, when, when God says no, we must still have peace with it. But Jonah was asleep and you would say he's peaceful. No, no, he has just blocked out everything God wants to do. It was so intense that the that the mariners started praying to dead gods. And Jonah was asleep. Jonah was unmoved. So let's look at... We're going to get back to God's actions. We're going to now look at, at, at the people, other people on the boat, at their actions. We can just learn a bit from that, how we can unblock um, these channels, these conduits, so that God can get us back to where He wants us. It says... And they hurled, the managers were afraid um, and cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and he lay down fast asleep. God's, the move of God, the shaking of God caused unbelievers to pray, and the believer was asleep. So, can I ask you, how's your prayer life? Do you find, like, when God calls you to pray, especially in the morning, we've got a six o'clock prayer meeting Wednesday mornings, and I've spoken to some of the people, they find it hard to be at the six o'clock prayer meeting. They say the problem is mind over mattress. And that's our problem. We'll sleep in instead of pray. But, I often speak to my son, when his volleyball team goes to Saldana, he's up at five. Because we're leaving early. We're leaving early. And somehow we will do extreme things like that for the things we love. But when it comes to doing what God wants us to do, then even a simple thing as a, as a decent prayer life is too much to ask and that blocks the flow of the Holy Spirit. What they, the, the mariners did, the pe- other people on the boat, they threw their cargo over uh, 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 overboard. They got rid of some of the weight. Now, now, here's the unfair part. If you are not following God, if you're running away from His presence, why should other people lose what they've worked so hard for? The boat there is something similar to the end of the year. The tax is going to Transkei. I'm serious. It's the, when the taxis go up to Transkei, they're going home. There's beds on there. There's mattresses. There's fridges. Everything. Uh, pe- people go home with what they've gathered. Now, in the same sense here, people that were working. On, on, uh, near Joppa, they have got all their belongings on the boat. They're going back home. They had nothing to do with They don't even know Jonah. And there's a tempest on the sea, and they have to throw overboard everything that they had worked for. So can I ask you, my friend, are you walking or running away from the presence of God and other people are losing what they have worked for? Maybe maybe the business is going down. The other partners are losing money because you're not walking with God. Maybe the marriage is going down. Maybe your husband is praying or your wife is praying and she's, they're living for God, but you're going down and therefore you're paying a price in your marriage. Losing the house. Losing the car throwing stuff overboard to try and survive. But it's not about... That boat will never be light enough as long as, as Jonah is on board. So, what, was, what, what were they to do? It says here, they, they identified the problem in verse 7. They said, let us cast lots. They wanted to identify the problem. And that's a good thing, but it's not enough. Because Jonah said to them, I am the problem. The lot fell on him, and he said, I am the problem. And look at the next verse. It says here, um, let me just find it. But I can't see it right now. But they said, the scripture said, and they began to row harder. You see, identifying the problem. They identified the problem, but they didn't do something about it. And then they decided they will row harder to get back to land, and they could not. Often we identify the problem. We know exactly, as you sit here, you know exactly who and what Jonah is in your life. But for the last five years, you've done nothing about it. See, identifying the problem is not enough. Jonah needs to get off the boat. So, when they question Jonah, there's a contradiction, and that's a contradiction that comes out in many of our lives, and it is this, that when they said, who are you? He said, I'm Jonah, I'm a Hebrew, I fear God, and I'm running away from God. You know how many people I counsel, and the first thing they make me understand is that they are believers, they're Christians, but their lives, where they're heading, does not correspond with what they're confessing. See, if you say you're a believer, if you say you're a child of God, your life needs to line up. The direction of your life needs to line up with what you say you believe. And often we will say stuff. Often we will claim stuff. But we're heading west, not north. So, contradiction in our lives will block the flow of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Here's the question. In verse 10, it says, what is this that you have done? And then the next question, what should we do? You see, identifying Jonah is not enough. There's something that you have to do, and it is this. If you are Jonah, then you should come clean with the sin in your life. If Jonah is on your boat, you should part with Jonah. See, until we part with the sin, our sea will never be calm. Until we part with what we've identified as the issue, our sea will never become calm. Often people, myself and Azali do a lot of counseling, and often people come in and say, pray for us, please. And, and I can see the Jonah moment. I can see that they're on a ship that's rocking. I can see that the wind's blowing. And I'm, I feel tempted to say to them, you don't need prayer. You need to jump. Not off a building, not off a bridge, but off the boat. Because you're causing the storm." What I mean by that is, you need to repent. See, sometimes people will come for prayer. What Jonah did here was, I'm the problem, will you throw me overboard? It's making his problem their problem. He's not taking ownership of of, of what he's done wrong and of his disobedience. He's not taking ownership of his disobedience. So he wants to make it their problem. So people will come to you and say, my business is going down. My marriage is in trouble. Pray for me. And I'm like, no. We don't need to pray for you. You need to pray. You need to repent. You need to come clean with God. Because that's our nature. We want to make our problem somebody else's problem. And if you don't pray, if nothing happens, then you didn't pray properly. Then it's the elders' fault if your marriage don't succeed. Hey. Because they prayed and nothing happened. No, no, Jonah needs to take responsibility for his disobedience to God. So I want to speak to somebody specific here today. And you've been battling through a problem and Jonah is on your boat. Could be a husband. Could be a wife. Could be a child. Could be a business partner. And you've put in effort to try and make the business work, you've put in an effort to try and make the marriage work, but you're not addressing Jonah. That's works, and works is not a biblical principle that a believer should be following. You need to part with sin. That's what you're called to do. You see, if you read if you read this verse in Verse 14, they say, and they called out to the Lord and said, let us not perish for this man's life. Now, put that into context. Jonah says, it's my fault. Because of me, there's a storm. And they say, what should we do? He said, throw me overboard. And they don't throw him overboard. And now we find the reason why they didn't throw him overboard. Because they were scared that if they throw him overboard, that God will be angry because it will seem as if they're executing Jonah. They say it there. Verse 14. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And I need to I need to belabor this point. There's something in their doctrine. Now they were unsaved, so I suppose they didn't have a good doctrine. There's something in their doctrine that's that's wrong. And that that prevented them from dealing with Jonah. So maybe, maybe, just maybe it's because there's something wrong in your doctrine that you haven't dealt with Jonah. You see, they were scared that God will be angry because they, they're executing Jonah. And maybe you're scared of dealing with Jonah because you don't want to be seen as the one standing in judgment of Jonah. Here's, here is the, the problem that you have to sort of... Separate. Number one, if somebody sins in the in the body context, in the church content context, if somebody sins and they remain unrepentant, and the elders have spoken to them and and brought in apostolic and they spoke to them and they remain un, unrepentant, the Bible says they have nothing to do with that person. Deal with That person. But then you hand them over to Satan. But that's not the case here. They were supposed to hand over Jonah to God. See, you're not called right now in your marriage or in your business, you're not called to hand somebody over to Satan. That's the ultimate extreme dealing with sin. When you hand somebody over to God, it's not condemnation, it's for their preservation. That you hand them over to God. You see, God has prepared a fish that was swimming next to that boat, and God gave that fish instruction and said, I want you not, I want you to go on a fast. Because I'm sending you a pretty big, big content that you need to swallow. And if you eat in a baby seal and a little dolphin, then you, then Jonah went for it. So I don't want you to eat for three days. Get your stomach clean because I need space for Jonah. God provided that. And that poor fish was swimming next to that boat in obedience to God. Waiting for whatever God wants to do. And you've been keeping Jonah on the boat for four years. Can you imagine how slim that fish is becoming? He's told not to eat anything until he swallowed Jonah. Jonah. And because you're not dealing with it, he can't fulfill his duty. God provided the fish to preserve Jonah, not to destroy him. See, when they threw him overboard, he would have sunk to the bottom, he would have drowned. God provided the fish to protect Jonah, not to devour him. When they, handed jo- when they threw Jonah over the board, they weren't punishing him. Jonah was just being reduced to a place of service again, of what he's been called to originally, so God could really get his attention. So when you throw Jonah overboard, when you deal with Jonah in a godly manner, you're releasing Jonah into a place where God can deal with him. And then God can get that person back to the original purpose that, they, that he had for them. But in our, in our um, uncertainty, we row harder. We, we make an effort to save the marriage. We make, an effort, we make an effort to save the business. We work longer hours. We can't come to meetings. We, we can't do this. We can't, because we've got to save the business. God is saying, all you need to do is let go and let Jonah come into the place that I've prepared for him. So that I can work with him. The fish is not punishment. The fish is God's provision. And we, we need to release Jonah into that. The moment we understand that when I I say, this is it, I'm breaking with sin, I'm releasing this. And it might even be, we spoke about the the, the singles uh, um, where they think, you know what, maybe maybe you are single technically. But spiritually, there's bondage. You're not single. Because stuff that happened in your life. God wants you to deal with Jannah. If you didn't get that, then it's okay. Then you don't have a problem. The Holy Spirit will explain that to whoever i'm speaking to see you might be single in terms of somebody not staying or in a relationship right now but stuff might have happened in your life and you still need to deal with jana still need to cut the ties and release yeah but maybe i can still save him (laughs) famous last words i'll change him Isn't that amazing? A woman meets a man and she tells her friends, it's a perfect guy. I met the perfect man. I'm gonna change him to exactly what I want. Mm. It's like it's like a friend of mine when he went to Olympics, won a gold medal, came back home and said, He's gonna chrome it. (laughs) Exactly the same thing. God prepared a fish to be the receiver and the deliverer of Jonah. Can you see why you need to release Jonah today? But here's the question I want to end with. What if Jonah is not on your boat? What if the Holy Spirit of God shows you today that you are Jonah? That your boat is shaking because of you. That the relationship that you're in is shaky because of you. That the business is shaking because of you. What do you do then? It's simple. You repent. You see, don't make it somebody else's problem. Don't say to the elders, well then throw me overboard. If you know that you need to be overboard, then jump. Trust God that God has provided a fish. Trust God that God has provided a fish to protect you and deliver you and jump. You see, in the olden days, when, when kings got it wrong in, in war, think of Saul and Jonathan, when they were on the losing side, they took responsibility for their error by falling on their swords. I'm not talking about suicide. Please don't, don't leave here and say, hey, that guy preached, I should commit suicide. No, no, no. But God is challenging you today. If you want to experience the cloud filling the house, the cloud filling the temple, if you want to experience revival, then you need to jump. Off this thing that's taking you away from God. And trust God to provide something, a vehicle that will take you back. You see, he still had to walk the 500 miles. We read the story and we think Jonah went from the fish to Nineveh in one go. Or some people even think that when, when, when the fish spat out Jonah, that he was on the beach of Nineveh. No, Nineveh was in the desert, not on the beach, 500 miles away. He still had to walk. But he doesn't, he doesn't arrive at Nineveh's walls like, oh, I'm tired. I've walked so far. That's not the issue. God got him there somehow. You don't need to ask a question, but if I jump off the boat, how will I get back to what God has called me to? You are just called to jump off the boat. Trust God. He's provided. He's provided a fish to protect you. Jump. Don't, do not do not ask others to actually throw you overboard. But there are some that are at a place where we actually today might have to throw you overboard. Because you just can't get to the place where you say, I'm sorry, it's me. And somebody might have to walk up to you while we're worshiping. And say to you, it's you. Are you going to wait for that? Or are you going to take responsibility? Would you like us to, while we're worshipping God, to put your name up on the board? You can. He did it back in Daniel's time with the king. He wrote on the wall. That's where projectors started. The idea of projectors. He wrote on the wall and said, you've been weighed and you have been found wanting. Would you like that to be your name up there today? Or are you going to deal with your disobedience? A very personal word that I'll end with. I need to say to somebody here today, stop. Please stop and reconsider what you're doing. Because you have caused too much destruction into the innocent lives of others. There are people on the boat, on your boat, that has lost almost everything. And you don't want to repent. I know how devastating that could be. Because I was there. I was there in 2008. As a matter of fact, I bought myself a first-class ticket to Tajus. I traveled business-class to Tajus. God called me, I was sitting in my study, and God said to me, sell everything you have and follow me. I got up, walked out of my study, my wife was in the kitchen, and she she said to me, why is God saying we must sell everything? God spoke to her, God spoke to me, and I said, it's a good idea, what I'll do is I'll grow my businesses, and then we can leave, and God doesn't have to worry how to pay me, pay my salary. I bought myself a first-class ticket to Tasha's. I walked away from what God was calling me to because I enjoyed business too much. Actually, it wasn't the business. I enjoyed the attention that business brought. I, bought, I enjoyed the feeling of being proud of what I achieved. I became more important than the plans of God. You know what? My boat sank. I went down with a boat. If we if we if we harden our necks, if we harden our necks, we lost everything. God was gracious enough to leave him with my wife and two kids. Because without her, I wouldn't have survived. We lost everything. Why? Because I did not take the time to take responsibility for being on the boat to Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord. I said to myself, I have a dream. I have a dream. But my dream was a nightmare to my family. I don't know what it is you're busy with. All I know is last night, God said to me, tell that person, stop, turn around. Get back to Nineveh. That's where God has called you to. So we're going to worship now. And as we worship, I want you to come before God. And whatever the disobedience is that, come, that the Holy Spirit convicts you of, it could be that you've walked away from God. It could be that you're not doing that God something that God wants you to do. Or maybe there's something you need to stop doing that He doesn't want you to do. But as we worship, can the worship team maybe come, come up? Maybe we can stand up and pray for us and then we start worship and we trust God that His Holy Spirit will come and that it will flow through us like a thick golden oil and remove the dross, which is a beautiful word for rubbish, inside of us everything that is not of Him, and replace it with everything of Him. So, Father God, I pray for each one of us, where we've departed away from Your plan, where we have put revival on hold, because it's not convenient for us right now. I pray that You forgive us. I pray, Lord God, that you highlight in our lives. If we we are not aware, if there are people here that are not aware of exactly what it is that has turned them away from God and why their ship is shaking and the, the sea is tempestuous, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and show them. I pray that if there are some Jonas asleep in the bottom of the boat, that you will wake them up and realize that you have called us, you have commissioned us. There is an awesome calling ahead of us. And this morning we want to experience a refreshing filling of your holy spirit a cleansing a recommissioning come lord and as we worship I pray lord god bring a new release amongst us that as a people we will worship like we have never done before as david said that we will become even more undignified that we will not consider the person to the left or to the right but that we will worship our King, in Jesus' name. Amen.